Thanks for joining us for a classic edition of In the Studio with Michael Card. Several years ago, this weekly program was recorded at Michael's home studio in Franklin, Tennessee. We got to meet many of Michael's friends and hear about the work of God in the Nashville community and around the world. Though some of the details about guests and ministries may have changed, the powerful lessons from the Bible and the reality of God's faithfulness told in these conversations stand the test of time. This session is made possible by our friends with the Christian Standard Bible. Learn more about the CSB translation online when you visit csbible.com. Listen now to this program from the archives. This is In the Studio. Welcome to our program today with Michael Card. I'm Wayne Shepherd, And Michael, you know what this is. This is Memorial Day time. Yeah, you were telling me some of the background of Memorial Day that well, I didn't understand. Well, I think I have this right. I'll have to go back and check my history book. But Decoration Day is what it used to be called. Mm-hmm. I remember as a kid calling uh-huh. it Decoration Day. But it came out of the Civil War time. Hmm. I think decorating the graves of the soldiers during the Civil War, after the Civil War. Uh-huh. So. so it was a time to, to go back and remember yeah. people that had, uh, had, had passed on to be Listeners will correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. In that because I'm not the greatest historian, but mm. uh, that sticks in my mind for some reason. But we have a program today where we're looking back in memory on some very good friends, people who are now with the Lord. And it's mm-hmm. kind of sad in one way, but in a, in a strange kind of way, we're very happy for them. I mean, they're with the Lord. You yeah, know? I think sooner or later you, you've, you've got to gra- grapple with the reality of the fact, you know, we, we say these sorts of things to comfort people, <laughs> yeah. but the truth is they, they really are to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. And right. they are, uh, the, all the voices you're going to hear on the program, uh, all of these uh, brothers are are with the mm-hmm. Lord right now. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to grieve, though we still miss them. They all leave a big a big hole. I don't think any of us wants to think about this, but that's yeah. our future too, of sure. course. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> we Some, may as well face it. Someday huh? they'll rerun this program and they'll say, yeah, <laughs> M- Mike and Wayne, they're, they're gone now. But yeah. <laughs> Hadn't thought of it quite in those terms, yeah. but thanks, Michael. Yeah, all right. but well, we, can, we can laugh about it because yeah. we know we have some place to go. Yeah, amen. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, we're going to hear from John Eves today. Oh. Uh, John was a brother you introduced me to uh, late in his life. Life. I think I only knew John for maybe a year before yeah. he passed away. Yeah, and John was just about a year older than me, so you know, not not a very old guy. Uh, I had known John since uh, Western. We studied with Dr. Lane together. John is a person who uh, had before him a very successful career in the in the oil industry. His father uh, was a, a an executive in one of the big oil companies, mm-hmm. and John uh, let go of all that and uh, went uh, on the mission fields. I think initially he was in the Philippines, but then he came back and headed up a ministry in our area. Well, first in the New England area and Harvard and Cambridge that that area, but now, but then later uh, he came to Nashville, and it was a mission to uh, or a ministry to uh, uh, overseas students, mm-hmm. uh, reaching out to them while they're here. Uh, and and that ministry goes on. His wife Kay is is still a part of that ministry. John was in the studio with us a couple of times before yeah. his death, and talked openly about his cancer and the prospect of yes. imminently dying. It was very meaningful. We'll go back and hear part of that in just a moment. And then yeah. later in the second half today, we're going to hear from Dr. Bill Lane yeah. with the Lord, yeah. uh, your mentor and somebody that we love very much, and who, also who, who also died of cancer. Oh yeah. yeah. And then Ben Johnson, Dr. Ben, yeah, who also died of cancer. Oh boy, how yeah. about that? Well, yeah. we'll hear from these three men here today. But John, he really taught us how to die, didn't he? Yeah, he did. It's interesting. John and I were together when Bill died. 
And so, I mean, we were in the room together with Bill when he died. And then when John found out he, he had inoperable cancer, he, he said at first, you know, I, I never thought I was going to apply those lessons so soon. But um, it really was his chance to show us how does a Christian man die. And he spoke uh, extensively. He talked about the fact that he has the victory over cancer and that sort of thing. And he had a great outreach to uh, people that were also receiving chemotherapy, he would un- he found out he could unplug his little drip machine, and he would go- he would wheel down the down the uh, hallway and share Christ with wow. people uh, who who were also getting chemotherapy. So John is uh, an, an amazing brother, and you'll hear it in his voice. Somehow, his words are even more powerful to us now, knowing mm-hmm. that he's with the Lord at this very moment. So let's listen. Here's John Eves. You know the the wonderful thing about walking with the Lord is that. Uh, when you walk with him every day, uh, he gives you that day as yeah. a gift, hmm. and you you take it and you use it for what it is. And that's not just people who've discovered they have cancer. That's all of us. I that's mean, right. every day is a gift. The rest of us just don't realize it yeah. quite the same way, do we? Yeah. And in one way, I, I know this sounds strange to say this, but in one way, having terminal cancer is a blessing. Hmm. It's a gift because it allows you to take a perspective on life that we should all have anyway. Yeah. I mean, we all are going to have to meet our maker someday. Right. Uh, we're going right. to have to come to grips with our mortality. Mm-hmm. And to be able to to have a time frame in which you do that uh, hmm. actually allows hmm. you to prioritize hmm. life in a very interesting way. Hmm. And that's what's happened with me. Well, I've appreciated the, the, the stance that you've taken to, to take the, this opportunity to not focus on yourself, but to help us, because John isn't just, I mean, this radio program isn't, uh, it's just a tip of the iceberg. He's uh, going to be speaking next weekend at a couple of churches. Um, you know, I just appreciate how vocal you become about this, not going inward, but really helping the rest of us. Uh, so, and I, and I way think to that, go, man. I think that's just really the nature of what it means to walk with the Lord, because uh, the Lord said to me early on, I'm not putting you on the sidelines with this illness. Mm-hmm. I'm actually putting you in the center of the flow. Mm-hmm. And and that goes back to that passage that we talked about last time we were together, that Hebrews eleven thirty two to 12, 3 passage, that God can use us in hardships and sufferings. He can use us uh, in death. He can use us in miraculous interventions uh, mm-hmm. to bear witness to the world of his presence and his work in our lives. Mm-hmm. And so that's exactly what he's doing. Uh, it's through the context of of a terminal disease that a witness can be given to a world that do- doesn't know what to do with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of the time when the C word is used, cancer is used, I mean, it's a it's almost a fatalistic word. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you think, well, I'm just throwing in the towel. Yeah. Uh, what what can I do? I'm I'm afraid of it. I'm, and and the thing that I've been reflecting on more and more in recent days is the interplay between fear and faith. Mm-hmm. Why is it that when fear comes into our life through circumstance, faith goes out the window? Mm. And it happens far mm. too frequently, I think. Well, that, that's what we were talking about that earlier. To me, that's Peter walking on the water. He, he steps into a, this miraculous moment of being able to do it, but then he gets afraid. And reality, because that's what we want to talk about, is what's real? What really is real? The gravity that's pulling you down to the bottom of the lake? The, the word from the doctor that you've got this kind of cancer, and it's here and here, and these are all the details— or what? Or, or the or the, or the other reality of Jesus' face and Jesus' hand and and something that happens in the middle of the storm that really is miraculous. That's right. And it's just as real 
as the cancer itself yeah. or the disease or the sickness or the circumstance. Yeah. Just as real. And we never get condemned for looking at reality and being re- realist. And I mean, uh, Thomas isn't condemned for wanting to see the scars. Peter, I don't think, is really condemned for looking at the waves and realizing, you know, I'm going to die mm-hmm. out here. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I, I think that's what you're doing, John. You're, you're being real about this, and that's what I appreciate so much. Well, yeah. I, recently I was reading a, a book by Rebecca Pipper, A Heart for God, and she has a very interesting statement about fear that I, I wanted to read. Mm. She says, the silver lining in the dark cloud of fear is that fear pushes us to decide on our view of reality. Mm. What do I really believe about the universe? Am I alone in this battle, or is there a God who overrules human affairs? Does my deliverance depend on human prowess and things I can see? Or does the final outcome depend on a massive resource beyond my own, mm. the powerful, faithful, living God? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that is so true, is that when, when we come into difficult circumstances, I mean, faith is tested, isn't it? Mm. I mean, what is real to us? Yeah. Mm. And I think that the surprise that I've had in my life is that people treat my stand as something exceptional. Mm-hmm. But it's not. It's not. God gives grace to stand in hard places. So that's what you, because I was going to ask you, what are you finding in the midst of all this? I mean, you leap into the dark and you land on solid ground, Kierkegaard said. I mean, is that, has that been the experience? Uh, yes, it has. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, the, let's go back to this issue of fear and faith. Uh, what I find is, is that fear is never conquered once and for all. It's there. It can be standing at your bedside every morning when you get up. Mm-hmm. Or any time during the day, just like bitterness, hmm. you know, it can be there. You think that you've taken care of it and it's been dealt with, and all of a sudden there it is back again. Mm-hmm. And what what I found is in that context of fear being there daily, God also gives us faith to counteract that fear mm-hmm. on a daily basis, mm-hmm. and that is His grace being dispensed at the time that it's needed. That's the point on a daily basis. It's there when we need it. It's That's not right. this. I mean, the big reservoir that. It, it's there as we need it. That's that, right. That's a very important point, isn't it, John? It's just like manna, ah. the same principle. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't save it up. You can't store it up. It's just given to you mm-hmm. at that time that you need it. Huh. And, uh, and, and that is based on that trust relationship you have with the Lord. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you, um, you're married and you have children, and how about those around you, family and friends, and, and what they have learned uh, because of what you're going through? It's one thing for you to go through it, and, of course, it's another for them to uh, to have the pain as well. Well, I, I think that a lot of it has to do with observation. Uh, I would say that uh, my wife Kay and my three sons watch me very closely. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're taking cues from how I'm walking through the situation, mm-hmm. and frequently when I'm having a difficult day or a challenging day, I I watch them, and you know their spirits tend to sag. Uh, mm. If if I you know I'm having a better day, they they tend to feel better about it, and I think all of us are sort of that way. Mm-hmm. We sort of cue off that person in terms of how they're doing, but there I think the, there's a deeper reality to it, and that is, uh, I had a conversation with my three sons, and I said to them, "Let me tell you something. What you're about to experience is going to be hard. It's going to be tough." Because you're going to see me in a condition, unless Lord the Lord heals, and he very well may. Mm-hmm. I'm very open to that. We've already talked about yeah, that. That's right. And uh, I'm ready at any time and point. <laughs> but should, should uh, we go through the valley of the shadow of death, 
then that journey is a difficult journey. But God is going to build something into your life that's not there right now. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be a better man for it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they, we've been very honest and forthright about how do we approach death, how we approach the loss of a father or, or a husband. And uh, we've had very candid conversations about it. And, and I think as a result of that, there is a, there's a freedom, a liberation to, to walk in life in a new way. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, since the last time we talked, I've taken care of all my death stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, we had lunch and you told me all the, all the details. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've done all the details. I've, I've taken care of, uh, you know, getting things signed over. And, and I've even met with uh, the, the funeral home people. And mm-hmm. I've d- done my memorial service. I've gotten all that stuff out of the way. Yeah. Now I'm free to live. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? and, and that's what I'm walking in now. I don't have to worry about that, that element of it. Uh, yeah. uh, I can just walk in, in the, the grace that God gives. And neither d- uh, do your family have to worry about that's it. Right. I think that's, that's a wonderful gift to have given them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I would say that, that my encouragement to people who deal uh, in this area and who are walking in a terminal disease, maybe people listening right now, the greatest gift you can give if you have the strength to do it is to prepare for your death, mm-hmm. to prepare for it so that your family doesn't have to be strapped with that and mm-hmm. to and to walk through that after you go. And besides you you get to put together what you would like you, to what have. you want. <laughs> <laughs> well John, you speak so powerfully about uh, faith and and the lack of fear because it's been replaced by faith in Christ. Um, you came with some scripture in mind today as well. I'm wondering if we can turn there now and yeah. just talk to you further about what you're going through and, and how what the lens is now that you're reading scripture through. Well I, I was uh, revisiting the other day that passage of Scripture in Philippians uh, chapter 1. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is a, a prison letter. Uh, Paul is in prison, and, and he's under uh, extreme difficulty and hardship in his life. His future is unknown. Uh, and yet one of the things that we see about this man is that he never loses track of his calling. He, he never checks out but that he remains engaged in the daily activities of his ministry. But Hmm. he has a very fascinating statement about life and the future and faith that I really want to explore today in the context of what we're talking about. Where's it found? That's Philippians chapter 1, verses 19 to 26. Hmm. Okay. Should we ask Michael to read that? Sure, I've got it right here. Go ahead. For I know that as you pray for me and as the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, This will turn out for my deliverance. We talk about his situation in prison. For I live in eager expectation and hope that I will never do anything that causes me shame, but that I will always be bold for Christ as I have been in the past, and that my life will always honor Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, living is for Christ and dying is even better. Hmm. Yet if I live, that means fruitful service for Christ. I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between the two desires. Sometimes I want to live, and sometimes I long to go and be with Christ. That would be far better for me, but it's better for you that I live. I'm convinced of this, so I will continue with you, so that you will grow and experience the joy of your faith. Then when I return to you, you will have even more reason to boast about what Christ Jesus has done for me. It's an incredible wow, passage. That's <laughs> it's incredible because Paul has the view of eternity in mind. And I think that is the one thing that has been coming back to me again and again. 
Paul looked at life through the lens of eternity, not through his mortality, not through what he sees, not through the circumstance in which he was in mm-hmm. at that time. When, and he was under uh, extreme circumstance mm-hmm. uh, because he didn't know if he was going to live or die. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why he could make that statement in Second Timothy 4.18, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. Mm-hmm. You know, he had the view of eternity in mind. Mm-hmm. And the thing I think that God is calling me to more and more is that view of life, viewing life through the lens of God's eyes, mm-hmm. not through my eyes. Because if you do that, if you can see life from an eternal point of view, then you, you, you understand what Paul says, this light and momentary affliction mm-hmm. is nothing compared to the surpassing greatness that will be coming mm-hmm. uh, in, in eternity. And so this, I think, is is has a tremendous impact on my life and upon the way that I approach life. Because it gives that perspective that Paul had, uh, Romans eight twenty eight. All things work together for the good. Mm-hmm. Why? Because he's being we're being conformed into the image of Christ, mm-hmm. and that he's using everything in life, whether sickness, whether death, whether hardships, sufferings, whatever it is, uh, he's using everything to bring us into that eternal pr- perspective. And yeah. the tendency is he uses the harder things all the more, you know. That's right. And so that's the only time you grow. Yeah. Think about it. When do we grow the most is in the hard times. Yeah. And so uh, that's why I think Paul talks about um, that we are not only willing to, uh, to live for him, but also to suffer for him. Because he knew that in those difficult and hard and challenging times, that's where the reality of God is most clearly seen. Mm. Why? Because we're vulnerable, because we're exposed, because we are in a position where our resources are outstripped and and we can't handle the situation. And that's when we are the most tender toward God. Mm -hmm. And that's where we grow the most. Mm. Let me pause for just a moment. And for those who may have joined us just a bit late here in the studio with Michael Card today, we're talking with our friend John Eves. John diagnosed a few months ago now with cancer, terminal cancer. And John is sharing this eternal perspective with us today here in the studio. In a few moments, we'll be turning to some of Michael's music. But, John, I've been sitting here as you've been talking. I've been thinking, you know, uh, you've been diagnosed this way, but the, the reality, we talk about reality, the reality is either one of us the could di- go before you go. Well, the you di- know? And the diagnosis for all of us is terminal, right? This is all a terminal situation we're in. <laughs> and we live, I don't think, until you get the, the kind of diagnosis, the kind of words you got, that you sort of wake up. I mean, did you experience kind of a, a, a like a wake-up call when when you got word? Actually, no. Uh, I remember uh, when I was first told, uh, and and the response, my initial response, uh, was a humorous one because uh, I had actually gone in to uh, for my annual physical, uh, and I had a concern about cholesterol and fatigue. Mm-hmm. And so my first response to the doctor is, well, I guess you're not worried about my cholesterol level. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. And, and uh, uh, the, shock, the shock really wasn't there because um, God had already prepared me for that moment. Yeah. Two weeks, three weeks before, the Lord was speaking to Kay and, and to me uh, words like, I'm going to fight the battle for you. Take courage in me. 
stand firm in me, persevere through hardship. Yeah, and you separately, both they, they separately both got that word. I mean, when you were in New York and she was in Nashville. In Nashville. Yeah. We thought it was in relation to, you know, having this commuting ministry yeah. and the challenges of that. They read their journals to each other, and they'd written virtually the same, same thing. thing. Yeah. So he had prepared, and yeah. that, again, that's God's grace at work yeah. uh, to, to, to meet that moment. Uh, with with the grace that we need to walk through it. Yeah. And I believe that's true in every sphere of life. There's nothing that we experience in life that God's not going to meet us in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's that wonderful interplay of the wilderness experience. You know, when we think of Jesus being in the wilderness or Moses in the wilderness or the Israelites in the wilderness, God never calls his people into the wilderness without having a provision there. Mm-hmm. The provision is always in the wilderness. And uh, so this is a wilderness experience, but God's provision is just as real. Hmm. You know, a moment ago when we read from Philippians 1, Paul says, I really don't know which is better. I'd stop and think because I think, you know, from my perspective coming into the studio today, I think I know which is better. I'd rather live, mm-hmm. you know, but I can't really say that. You know, when you when you think of life in, with the internal perspective, you you do reach the point that Paul reached. I don't I'm torn. I don't know which way to go right. here. And uh, let's relate that to cancer itself. Um my perspective is this. I have gained victory over cancer. I have beat cancer. I just don't know which body. Is it going to be my earthly body or is it going to be my heavenly body? But cancer never wins. It does not win in the life of a believer. And so that's the eternal perspective, I think, that we're talking about. So you have nothing to fear. John, you mentioned a moment ago, and I think it's probably true that there are some people listening right now that either themselves or loved ones are going through what you're going through. Um, are you are, are you praying for others? Are you coming in contact with a lot of people who are under cer- similar circumstances? Yeah, I, I guess you'd say I've developed a new congregation. Uh, well, I know you're cruising the wards. Where, when he gets his chemo, he discovered he can unplug the machine and walk around with his uh, IV or whatever. I mean, I, I know you found a way around that. That's right. As a matter of fact, you know, it's an interesting experience. Some people, when they approach chemotherapy, are are very afraid. And uh, the, the, in this particular uh, cancer uh, clinic, uh, just like an ER room where they pull the, 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 the curtains. drapes, mm-hmm. the curtains, some people want to have the curtains pulled around them. And uh, what I've been praying for is that God will allow us to pull the curtains back. And there, is, uh, there are three other men that have treatment when I have treatment. And so what we've done is pulled the curtains back and sort of gathered our chairs in a circle and mm. we're able to talk, and, and it's a wonderful thing you know, mm. to have that kind of fellowship and to, to ask the hard oh. questions and to ask, how are you managing this? Oh. How is mm-hmm. God working Now, in are these life? believers? Some are and some aren't. Okay. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, that's the witness of it, uh, to be able to, to see that God is present uh, in that place, uh, just as he is present in every sphere of our life. Wow. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the chemotherapy, um, you have your hair. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How is that happening? Well, um, you know, one one of the interesting things about cancer is that they they're they're desperately trying to come up with new drugs. Actually, uh, in the case of uh, colon cancer, which I have, metastatic cancer, your, your options are rather limited. But the protocols that they use, how they administer the drug, uh, are 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 variable. And so I'm actually using a protocol that was developed in France, uh, and it just so happens that. Uh, in that particular route that you use, uh, you don't lose your hair. Very important to the French that they not lose their <laughs> yes. hair. Probably that's why they developed it. But for those listening, I look exactly like Michael does. So <laughs> Didn't there, have a lot to start with. There wasn't much to lose. 
Well, I know there's a commercial now. It's I mean, right along there with you know with Pop Tarts and everything else. There's this commercial for chemo patients for this drug that gives them more energy. I mean, have you, have you seen that? It's no, I it, seen it's it. well, you don't watch as much TV as I do, but um, I have seen it. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, it's it's that it's that that much a part of our lives now. So. It is. It really is. And the thing that is so uh, real, I think, in the whole area of cancer is that you have a full spectrum of response to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to understand humanity, go into a ha- cancer ward. Mm-hmm. You know, go into a place where, where people are being treated there. And and I would encourage uh, 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 our listeners to, to really have a heart for those people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's amazing how a card or a call uh, or just a word, an email. You talk about fear. I mean, we have a fear that if we somehow get involved that we'll be hurt. Right. You know, through that, you're saying, don't worry about it. No, no. I think that you, the thing that that helps people the most in this situation is to know that there are brothers and sisters in Christ who stand with them. I believe that uh, if healing comes into my life and God restores this body of mine, the testimony will be that it was the body of Christ that did what they were supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Because we talked about the stretcher bearers of Mark chapter 2 last Mm -hmm. time. And that uh, God commended their faith. Jesus commended their faith uh, in carrying that person before the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that's what's happening in my life. A lot of people are carrying me before the Lord. And it will be the testimony in heaven of their faithfulness. Trust in me. Keep your life free From what the love of money will do Am I not enough for you? And never will I leave you That's something I'll never Something I'll never do 
the halfway point of our Memorial Day weekend broadcast here in the studio with Michael Card. Before our break, I want to encourage you to get in touch with us. Pass along your email to inthestudio at michaelcard.com. Through the web, you can discover more about Michael's music and teaching ministry. Also, you can find out how to access our radio archives and program podcast. Just type michaelcard.com. Coming up in the second half, we're going to continue remembering friends who have gone on to heaven. We'll focus on our hope in Christ after these messages here in the studio with Michael Card. This month, we're excited to point you to a study tool that is a little different. It's the Christian Standard Commentary Series. You'll find the work of many noted scholars who offer their researched insights balanced with real-world applications. Search for the Christian Standard Commentary at csbible.com and explore the various Bible books that are now available in this series for your enriched personal study. Many fine Bible scholars have contributed their examination and analysis of the Bible, and now you can benefit from their years of study. There are many books in this series to choose from. This could be a great opportunity for you to jump into a more focused approach to learning the meaning behind the scriptures. When you purchase this powerful discipleship tool, type CARD40 without spaces in the promotion code to receive your 40% discount from LifeWay. Search for The Christian Standard Commentary now at csbible.com. I hope you take the next step in serious Bible study. And welcome back into the studio with Michael Card, our Memorial Day program today as we remember some very special friends who are now with the Lord. Of course, we also give thanks to those who have given their lives in defense of our country and defense of freedom. Yeah, uh, especially in our time with uh, what's going on in Iraq and uh, Afghanistan. So we we do want to be mindful of those who have, I mean, remember those who have laid down their own uh, lives, given up so much uh, so that we can be free today. Mm. Uh, But the people that we're talking about have been soldiers in a different kind of fight. It's true. Every bit is real uh, a battle, and so we want to remember them as well. We're going to hear the voice of Dr. Bill Lane next. Um, And by the way, after we hear from Dr. Bill, we're going to ask you to sing a song, Mm -hmm. and the song is I Will Be Your Home. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sandy wrote to us after you sang that song for us recently in the studio here, and she says, uh, at that moment you were singing it, I was feeling a little scattered as to where to go, and I felt a peace come over me Hmm. that I've not felt for a long time. I appreciate your ministry uh, so very much. So I just wanted to share that in anticipation of hearing that song again here in a few minutes. That song is from the book of Zephaniah, so Hmm. you don't hear many songs from Zephaniah. (laughs) Leave it to you, Michael. Bill Lane. um, Was there a man that you love more dearly than Bill Lane? No, there's uh, the way I say it is there's no human being that owes another human being more than I really owe Bill because he he really gave me my life, uh, spiritual father and mentored me and talked my wife into marrying me and then married us. I mean, you know, all along the way, uh, first person asked me to write a song. I would have never... Your life would be far different had there been not, been, not been a Bill Lane. Yeah, absolutely. I'd yeah. be a forest ranger doing bird counts for the forestry <laughs> service if it wasn't for Bill. Wow. Um, and he he's just a precious, precious man. Um, brilliant man, a PhD from Harvard, spoke multiple languages, like 14 languages, wrote commentaries, 
um, and taught for 40 some odd years. Hmm. It affected people all over the world. Uh, I, I, I don't go any place that I don't find one of his students in Romania or China, someone who studied. Yeah, he, he, really, he really left a huge impact. And uh, this recording uh, was done just a few weeks before he died. His, you can tell that his voice is a little bit mm-hmm. weak, but uh, this is on the cycle of discipleship, which, which was one of the last nuggets that he really gave us of his teaching. We're going to hear from Dr. Bill Lane, and then we'll hear from Dr. Ben Johnson mm-hmm. after that, another dear brother. Empty hands. Empty hands man mm-hmm. who is with the Lord now himself, Ben Johnson, coming up. But Bill Lane, his, his grave, his tombstone says, uh, Here lies uh, the, the mortal remains of so fiery a soul. I see that tombstone every time I go to the grocery store, right by Kroger's. Uh, the the in in he, he's actually buried in the black section or next to the black section mm-hmm. of the uh, uh, in the cemetery. Which reflects his heart, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's, that was his last desire. Well, when he came to the there. studio that day, he talked to us about the cycle of discipleship. The cycle of discipleship begins with the call of Jesus upon our lives to be with Him, and He engages us in a number of situations in which participate in ordinary life and extraordinary life as well. Mm -hmm. We are with Jesus in the situation. After we have been with him, the cycle moves into a second phase. We are commissioned to speak his word and to do his work. We cannot do that until we have been with Jesus. The cycle then advances to still a third stage when after we have been out speaking his word and doing his work, we come back and report to him all that we have done and all that we have taught. And then we hear Jesus say to us, Now come and rest and be with me in new situations. Mm. And the cycle continually renews itself. So it's not that we're in one point in the Christian life all, all the time. This cycle is repeating in each one of our lives as we follow Christ. If we are to follow the gospel pattern, yes, Michael. Mm. I think that it's all too easy, however, to be caught up in a period in which we're with Jesus, yeah. or to be mm-hmm. caught up mm-hmm. in a period in which we're doing the work of the ministry. Well, that's my problem. I, I get stuck there thinking, well, that's what I'm called to do. You know, Jesus' word, Jesus' work, just like you taught me, Bill. And that's where we become like a record that is stuck <laughs> and it's skipping, <laughs> right. and, and we wonder, something. what is wrong? Yeah. Huh. And the answer is, we have not heard the call, now come apart, and rest a while, and Mm. be with me in new situations, for I have yet more to teach you. Though you are homeless, though you're alone, I will be your home. Whatever's the matter, whatever's been done, I will be your home. fallen place I will be 
time reaches fullness, when I move my hand, I will bring you home. Home to your own place in a beautiful land, I will bring you home. Michael, and we're hearing the voices of some men today who are at their ultimate home. They're with the yes. Lord now. We heard from John Eves, and just a few moments ago, Dr. Bill Lane. Dr. Ben Johnson <laughs> is next. Boy, I tell you, these are some wonderful men. Yeah, he's he's a person who who also uh, was a, a, a key, uh, really the patriarch of, mm-hmm. of Empty Hands. He he helped start it and get, give it the direction that it had. He was our prayer warrior. Yeah. Our, always prayed about your wife. You know, yep. you know, he would always pray for everyone's wife. He was the guy that, you know, got to kiss your wife, got to get 10 kisses a day. And I'm not talking about a little peck. I'm talking about a long, slow one. <laughs> that was Dr. Ben. That was Ben, yeah. Uh, he came to the studio several times with uh-huh. us. but He, he uh, cut a record in here, actually. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, uh-huh. Really? Yeah. Well, I'd Steve, like to hear that sometime. Well, Steve, Steve Green orchestrated the whole thing. In fact, that's the first time I ever met Ben was okay. through Steve Green in All the right. studio. That was, yeah. that was before my involvement yeah. here. But I remember when he came to the studio, we're going to hear this in a moment, where he talked about uh, Negro spirituals yes. and, and the, uh, the background of right. suffering that went into these songs. On top of all the things he did, teaching, and uh, he was actually a handwriting expert. He would testify. In, did you know that? He, he, he would, mentioned that one time. Yeah, yeah. I, and I didn't know that till after he died. But uh, uh, but of all of all the other things that he did, he would uh, he would get on overalls and a straw hat, and he would do <laughs> Negro spirituals uh-huh. and talk about uh, slavery and 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 from a spiritual point of view, and that that's what he's going to do here yeah. is talk about you know what do we learn from uh, the African American slavery experience uh, about calling Jesus our master, and we have a lot to learn. The voice is that of Doctor Ben Johnson now with the Lord. Slavery means someone owns you. Mm. But um, I like what uh, some of the old folks would say. Uh, Master, you have my body, but you don't have my soul and my spirit. Mm. My soul am free. Mm. And therefore, uh, they knew they were in a foreign country, a foreign land, and all that good stuff. But And they knew that they were prisoners. But what happened to them gave them a freedom and also can stand the horrible life is that they heard the master's uh, pastor preach about the word of God. Mm-hmm. Therefore, they related themselves to the nation of Israel, see. And therefore, to them, uh, slavery was here, but not there. Mm-hmm. And many times, they would slavery would, would use songs uh, to say, I'm going to heaven. For instance, the old song called Deep River. Well, isn't that beautiful? No, the deep river was not a river. Mm-hmm. It was the Atlantic Ocean. 
Ah, see? okay. And they want to go back over the Atlantic Ocean, back to Africa, back to their country, back to which, and they'll be buried in the land with their ancestors. Mm. That's very important. Mm. I think of Godin Moses. The uh, thing was, all the abolitionists and also uh, Grandma Moses and and, and uh, other women who led them free, mm-hmm. they were called Moses. So, the so Egypt was the plantation, see, ah. and Pharaoh was the master. Uh-huh. But one to lead them out of that was Moses. Grandma Moses and Harriet Tubman and that, all the rest. That, yeah, that's correct. See. What about just a verse of that? When Israel was in Egypt land, let my people go. Oppressed so hard they could not stand. Let my people go. Go down, Moses. Wait on an Egypt land. Tell old Pharaoh, let my people go. Like that, oh, that was mentioned. That was a satire. Mm. Huh. They were so happy. Now, also, and they well, they could sing that song in the presence of uh, mm-hmm. masters and, and slave he, drivers, and he'd have no clue. Right over his head. <laughs> Good way to let For off a instance, little steam. Huh? Uh, uh, let's say we're going to go. We're go- now, Grandma Moses and the women, the people that can take us up north. They could tell by singing songs. What time is going to meet and yeah. where? I will arise and go to Jesus is one of those. That's one it? other. Yep. It's called mm-hmm. honor, honor. Mm-hmm. I prayed all day. I prayed all night. Midnight dew, early in the morning, we'll be baptized. So, by the way, they could send a message throughout the state from plantation to plantation by singing Negro spirituals. Just singing in the field. Yes. And uh-huh. at night. We, we, oh, they're so happy. Look at this. They're singing and dancing. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, communicating. Dancing, they're communicating. Well, <laughs> and and I, I learned this. Whenever it was a full moon, you mm-hmm. you worked all night. As mm-hmm. long as it was there was light to mm-hmm. work. Yes, the yes. slaves were forced yes, to work. Yes, yes. So sometimes they'd work all night yes. long. And you see, uh, the church was a silent institution, and they mm-hmm. and during the churches, pastors would sing a melody and put words to it. Mm-hmm. That's right. There are over there are six thousand Negro spirituals. I know about fifty of them. Mm. The spiritual, first of all, were just songs about Israel and the Old Testament to get away. It was later on that became spiritual mm-hmm. for what development. Okay, so they started out as code. That's right. Uh-huh. But then it grew out of. For instance, uh-huh. uh, there's a song called um, "Send Out Your Light." Mm-hmm. It's a gospel message, also part of deep. It's a gospel message like that. So there's a lot of things, and many times uh, they would be so oppressed, and they would hear uh, the pastor preaching about Jesus walking with poor folks. Mm-hmm. They would sing that little song. I want Jesus to walk with me. I want Jesus to walk with me all along my 
Cheney. You see, they, mm. they, they literally made mm. the gospel into their lives personal. Mm. Mm. It overflowed in overflowed. music. Something like mm. 95% of Negro spirituals are biblically based. Mm. In the world, that see. Now that's that's one of the rich legacies that the the black church has to offer us. But this is what I would I would like to explore. We if we need to understand what it means to be a slave to Christ, is there something we can look back uh, from the slave experience and have them help us to understand what it means to be a slave to Christ? Yes, because I said this before, Massa, mm-hmm. you got my body, but my soul am free. Mm. Now check that out. <laughs> that recorded with Dr. Ben Johnson, who's now crossed that Jordan River, hasn't he, Michael? His soul yeah, is free. Yeah. yeah, how about that? Boy, we miss these guys. Yeah, we do. They were they were gifts to us, and I think it should make us appreciate those gifts that are still those people who are gifts who are still with us. Bill used to say, when God gives you a gift, he wraps it in a person. <laughs> And so for those who are listening, you know, those special brothers and sisters that you have in your community and in your church, you know, love up on them because you're not mm-hmm. always going to have them. Mm-hmm. You're not always going to have them. And, mm-hmm. then, and then maybe think about growing up to be one of those people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we have a few minutes left here on our Memorial Day program. And again, we're so thankful to have this chance to look back on some friends and remember their life and their, yeah. their input into our life. And uh, we'll be reunited with them someday. That's the exciting thing to think Absolutely. about. Absolutely. Absolutely. And also to give thanks for those who have uh, paid a price uh, for our nation. Uh, we thank uh, those who have served in the military, of course, and those who have given their lives. But let's focus our thoughts on the hope to come for a few minutes mm-hmm. here, Michael. Yeah, read that passage. You have a passage yeah. there from First Thessalonians. Yeah, uh, chapter four, verses thirteen and fourteen. Most of us know this well, but let's just let this sink in in a new way into our hearts after what we've heard here today. Yeah. And now, brothers and sisters, I want you to know what will happen to the Christians who have died, so you will not be full of sorrow like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus comes, God will bring back with Jesus all the Christians who have died. Mm. That's good news. That's good news. That's what we were just, just hoping for, is that we'll, we'll see Ben and John and Bill and all those that we've, uh, we've said goodbye to. Uh, I, I love it when Jesus talks about death in the Gospels. He always uses the word sleep, and nobody ever understands what he's talking about. When Lazarus, he tells the disciples, Lazarus has fallen asleep. When he woke, goes to the, the, the room before he raises the little girl from the dead, he says to the people outside, oh, she's just asleep. And they laugh at him. Because in Jesus, death is just a sleep that we're going to be awakened from someday, just like Lazarus was awakened and the little girl in the Gospels was awakened. Well, I'm, I'm looking right now at, uh, at Hebrews uh, 11, the great roll call of faith, because you have uh, basically a list of two people. Uh, you have the winners and the losers, and you have, you know, uh, Abe beginning at Abel all the way through Noah and, and Sarah and Abraham and Moses and all the rest. And then uh, we get down to um, uh, verse 32, where he sort of summarizes and then makes a shift because you've got the winners listed and now you're going to have the losers, the seemingly, the people who seem to be losers listed. Well, how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, 
Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and even received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back from the dead again. So those are the winners. But listen to this group. But others trusted God and were tortured, preferring to die rather than turn from God and be free. They placed their hope in the resurrection to a better life, just as everyone we've heard today did. Some were mocked and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in dungeons. Some died by stoning and some were sawn in half. Others were killed with the sword. Some went about in skins of sheep and goats, hungry and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world. They wandered over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. What an image. All of these people, both the winners and the losers, we have mentioned, received God's approval because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had far better things in mind for us that would also benefit them. For they can't receive the prize at the end of the race until we finish the race. And that's what we're left to do, Wayne's Realize that this is a, a, a race that we're on. And, and Bill and John and Ben, they've crossed the finish line, and we've got to finish that race as well. The line, the finish line is New Jerusalem, yeah. and that's what we're going to ask you to sing as we close out our time together today. The New Jerusalem. John Ketchings joins you on the cello here, Michael, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll look forward to having you sing this now. And to the one who overcomes 
Come now and you will see Behold the old has passed away Now everything is new The Alpha and Omega's words Are trustworthy and so true And God himself will wipe the tears from every weeping eye. No death, no pain, no mourning cry, and every tear may dry. And now our God will dwell with them, the new Thankful for this song from Michael that wraps up this session of In the Studio. You can email your reactions when you write in the studio at michaelcard.com. And we look forward to reading your email. Again, in the studio at michaelcard.com. Or interact with other listeners when you post on the Michael Card Music Facebook page. We're excited about the partnership with our sponsors at the Christian Standard Bible when you visit csbible.com. This month, we're highlighting a wonderful companion resource that can aid you as you go deeper in the scriptures. When you visit csbible.com, search for the Christian Standard Commentary. Come explore the Bible books that interest you and see the new editions that are available. When you order, use the promotion code CARD40, typed with no spaces, to receive your 40% discount on CSB purchases through Lifeway. The Christian Standard Commentary at csbible.com. We hope you'll join us for next week's podcast release. For all of us on the team, Ron Davis, Susan Sermon, Lance Mansfield, and our producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. We're glad you've been with us for this edition of In the Studio with Michael Card.